What is your superpower? I'd probably say my creativity. Knowing nerdy trivia. My superpower is being a good listener. Devising a million questions. Helping people. Making people laugh. My superpower is that I'm determined and never give up. We're back. How are you doing today, Harry? I'm all right, Aaron. How have you week been? Uh, it, I'm a little tired, but it's only a Tuesday. <laughs> um, and it's funny, it's one of those days where I forget that it's a Tuesday because it feels like it's been a long week already. <laughs> How about for you? Same. Yeah. We're just a bit busy over here. Um, uh, just yeah. like what's happening, like what are, who are, who are some people that you're talking to and tap right now? That's a good question. <laughs> we're, right now we're dealing with these internships. We've been just slammed with these internships. We've also been very busy with working on a few surprises for you, the viewer, to appear on tapautism.org. Mm. So as a team, we've been busy with that. Look out for that. Um, of course, we'll put it on all the social media, but these internships have been a big thing that we've been working on, how to make them better, how to organize them, and what does it mean for another employer, for actual, like, like, like the modifications and things that an employer can do on their end, uh, as we have seen some people get work, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we got, it's pretty awesome. We got, what, five or six internships happening right now? Um, uh, four and um, we have 30 individuals and um, it's not just a Maristan internship we opened it up we do need to figure this out but we opened it up to indeed.com and we got four non-Maristan students to apply so statewide internship program um, we do need to have a <laughs> figure out how to better get the uh, neurodiverse population to check out indeed.com in the next round but yeah. that was pretty cool two of the uh, interns have been promoted to job coaching positions. It sounds like they were ones that came through Maristem before as an intern and now have kind of sh proven mm -hmm. themselves to be at the next level up. That was the case for one of them, definitely. She's been helping in the bed and breakfast. Right on. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I, I thought um, there's a couple things we could talk about today. I think one of an interesting topic is Last time we dove into the onboarding process, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the things that you can do prior to uh, jumping in or applying for a job or getting the interview. Um, but then what are the things that you got to do to sustain work? Like, how do you keep your job? What are some hurdles uh, from the employer standpoint that make it hard? Uh, to to be to to flex and adjust and oh. uh, you know make the changes necessary to support someone uh, with with autism or intellectual disabilities to to continue to grow. What kind of growth plans do you need to have in place as an employer, maybe to support somebody to continue to develop themselves? Hmm. Um, and you know, from an employee standpoint, what like what can you do to actively you know, keep yourself valuable, keep yourself engaged, keep yourself doing the work that you need to do so you are ultimately providing value to the company that you work for. As an employee, let's start there, Aaron. Um, there are some key things that you can do as an employee 
first of all, working on yourself, so using your support network, because there are certain things that you can do to, to make it easier. One thing is feedback. When we see, oh, we just had a situation today that I was just um, yelling. Well, let's, let's stay on feedback for a second. Right, so this is, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I would say this. So, just, you, this was the situation today, and um, feedback is, is so, there was a situation, uh, then the individual had, uh, it, well, it wasn't regarding an email, but the uh, individual had feedback provided to her, and when feedback was provided, didn't go so well. Um, so using your support network they went and, and, and using their feedback after the situation is over is going to be key because uh, not that they necessarily know better than you, but especially if they have worked in the field for longer than you, uh, maybe they do have a little more knowledge, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, let's, let's riff on that for a second. So to me, if I'm an employee and somebody's giving me feedback, you know, it, I, I want to have the attitude maybe like really take this in, consider it, apply it to what I'm doing, seeing if I can, you know, do it differently and, and get improved feedback or, or different feedback. Um, I'm also thinking like feedback, like if I'm an employee, I might want to be active, like a, a, an even better practice might be Hey, I because I'm new and I know maybe like it's challenging to work because I you know have autism or whatever it is. I might want to proactively be asking for feedback, like how, like let's say once a week, like how am I doing in my job? Like what do you see that are things that I could do better at? Like make that a practice rather than a hey, I got to come to you now and, and provide feedback one way or the other from the employee from the employer. Uh, Let's jump down that road a little bit. Like, what are some things that you're seeing around feedback here? Well, that's a big thing. Um, yeah, so for these internships that we run at Maristem, we try to make them as realistic as possible. Because, I mean, I could totally just take somebody on and give them a job, but I do try to make it realistic. And so, in making it realistic, every single thing is checkmarked. And communicating about out, you know, time off, for example. So if someone wants to take time off, they can just do, you know, we're not gonna say, oh, you, you, you didn't tell us that you have a whatever next week, you just, you're supposed to give notice. Um, but uh, it's also how you communicate notice, such as saying, I won't be here next week, or saying, I'm gonna go on, I am, I am planning on this vacation, just the way in which you communicate. Hmm. And um, feedback based on, Thinking when when I offer feed when I would offer feedback or so and so I'm thinking how would an employer take this if they were the employer, and oftentimes, well sometimes you know you might not do it. You have to keep the employer in mind. Um, each employer is different, but but I I can see this um, communication as being a big thing, and it's so feedback, but also communication because the number one thing I hear from employers when I'm training them. They're ready to hire people with neurodiversity, but they would, they want uh, better communication. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting if you could get somebody in the room who would listen to you, like everyone struggles with communication, even the neurotypical. I think communication is all something that anyone in every organization can work on. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, communication is a funny one because there's all sorts of subtle, different types of communication that maybe 
passing through that if I don't pick up on um, different types of communication that are coming towards me mm-hmm. uh, or indirect communication that often happens where there's body language that says one thing and words that say another, like that gets kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, you know, like to me why I think it's a great practice to act proactively reach out to who's ever supervising you to get feedback um, because oftentimes what can happen is I build a sh- like this place of either I'm too afraid to get feedback because I, I, I don't think I'm doing a good job or I think I'm doing such a good job because no one said anything to me and you get in this kind of I don't really have a have a baseline of how things are going right um, these check-ins are key yeah and so to me like having a regular open communication and really building that as a as a foundation um, seems to be really important I'm thinking a little bit if I were an employer if it were even possible for someone with autism coming into the workforce if I could build like a build a longer timetable because like at Maristem just to go off what we do is we say hey we establish a baseline of consistency and then we try to get better from that right so like maybe I don't communicate the first time that I'm going to be out for work so we take a baseline there and say, hey, this person doesn't do a great job at saying, hey, I planned this next Friday, therefore I'm going to be out. Um, can, like, does the, does the work that that person's responsible, like, do I start this person in a, on a piece of work where if they don't show up, like the whole chain falls through? Mm-hmm. Or like, where can I start them where for whatever reason they miss a day um, without communicating, the impact to the company is minimal to nothing, and then you can provide that feedback like, hey, our process is, you, you we need two days notice or communication, or mm-hmm. you email this, you know, this app or whatever and it being, is. And being able to also keep track of that, like, so I always say the best employer, make it easy for the person with neurodiversity, you're going to I'm going to tell you I'm taking a holiday, you're going to write it, I'm going to, I'm going to watch you write it down on your calendar and then, then you're going to remember and that's going to be it. But what have I learned? Well, that's why we have a job seeker training video on our website. We don't talk about this particularly, but specifically, but just the, uh, the things that job seekers need to do. And one of them is don't, ex- don't expect, like, like ideally, okay, the employer does keep track of it, but do remind them. Say hey, don't forget I'm going to be gone next Wednesday for you know for whatever thing because you can't expect them to remember because they might not. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing. Um, but accountability is key, and also just learning. We we have people that that are, are simply still learning what does it mean to have a job, what is sick time, what is a holiday time. But something that. We also do, the, the, the less people to communicate with the individual, the better, streamlined. So that's what we do at, at Maristem. You see, Aaron is the executive director, but my supervisor, he doesn't, he, he does have some people under him on the executive team, but there are about four or five supervisors at Maristem that are responsible for six to eight people. That is for the individual to communicate with. So my supervisor would be Eric Stewart, director of this uh, transformative program. I could communicate with him on issues, and, and, and if something is, and he'll meet with Aaron weekly, and they can go over, but 
if you had five people telling this individual what to do, it really wouldn't go that well. So the, the more he has a direct supervisor, one person that he can communicate with, that they can, that's really the key. And um, yeah, building a time in the schedule, some time to, 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 um, to really go over a, a performance review, even, even if it's a positive review. Telling the individual with no diversity, you're doing well, keep doing what you're doing, is beneficial because they'll have anxiety over whether or not they're doing well unless you tell them. And then things that they need improvement on, if you tell them as soon as, it, as, soon as possible, it's better because if you tell them five, six months down the line, you've been doing miserable for the last six months, your grade is F, it's like you probably should have told them that on month one. Yeah, or, or week one. Um, and give them some specific things that they can improve on. Well, it's interesting, I'm even thinking, you know, like a typical employee, it's like, okay, I hire you for a job, um, you know, hopefully you do your job really well, and mm -hmm. at the end of the year, or whatever time frame, you know, I might get feedback like, hey, you're doing your job really well, or here's the things you can improve with your job. I'm thinking in terms of autism, and it might make sense to say, hey, here's a growth plan from the start. Like, right. we're gonna start you here, and then you and we're going to work towards this step and, and doing this more effectively then we're going to add this piece into your work and actually thinking out an entire like three to six months of work as a as a as a goal plan for an individual coming in that has really simple starting points to get to the more complex pieces of the job where you kind of proactively say rather than assuming this person has the capabilities of the job we're saying, hey, in six months, we're gonna get you to the, the ability to do, the, do the, all the pieces of this job, but we're not gonna to try to have you do all the pieces of this job day one or the first week. Right. Uh, I wonder if that's even possible for employers. Definitely. Uh, I think it is possible for employers that I spoke to. I can't guarantee it's simple for all employers. But another thing that we deal with very simple things such as um, that you can make easier for the employer, uh, such as from the employee rather, such as clocking in and out. Don't ex you know? I, you always want to when, when you hire somebody with neurodiversity. I don't want to say it's more work, um, and a lot of them do come with a job coach. But my best advice is to have internal support because oh, the job coach might not be able to show up one day. And in this is a very interesting case. Um, with the clocking in and out for their shift, if you relied 100% on their job coach to make sure they were doing it correctly, the job coach couldn't show up every day, that individual would be missing hours or clocking in correctly. Because um, from the experience, not all of the people with neurodiversity, but of the people that I have worked with, and there's been quite a lot, right? They have messed up when, when there was clocking in involved or clocking out or clocking out for a mandated break you know they can't work more than five hours and they must take a 30 minute lunch and they just simply either they don't clock out or they don't understand the clocking out system or here's one they clock out early at by five or seven minutes and i explained to them if you're scheduled until five o'clock busy with something you know but stay until five o'clock because if you if you leave before 55 and you clock out you missed five, I mean, it's only five minutes, but if you do that consistently, that's a that's chunk of money. So you might as well just keep busy, clock out at five o'clock, um, or clocking out late. That's that's the worst nightmare for the employer. He clocked out at 5.10. Yeah. 
Now I got to pay him 10 minutes of overtime. Yeah. We can't do that. Like that would be, and so, but understanding that maybe you have to check the employee neurodiversity, check their, um, their timesheet and don't expect that they understand what they're looking for. Like they might not understand what they screwed up. Yeah. So maybe you have to, I don't know if there's a way for you to check for them or, or work it out with them. But if you just leave it on them, sometimes, oftentimes, they will mess it up. Yeah, I know in uh, the TAP training, they talk about having a champion um, at a job. Absolutely. Right? So like having that individual who's kind of behind you, helping you maybe with some of, that, some of those pieces. Um, have you ever talked to employers about saying, hey, the company, everyone in this company is a champion and everybody kind of carries a little bit of the pie. So like, let's say on Monday, it's, it's Sarah's turn to support, be the champion. On Tuesday, it's uh, Doris's opportunity to be the champion. And on Wednesday, it's Dave's turn and it just rotates through as a working collective to support where the, the whole company says, yes, we want to bring this individual on. And then as a whole company, we're going to support this individual to do the best that they can. I've never done that. What I have done is in the onboarding, in the initial process of going to a company and actually job coaching, just looking around and saying, because I knew that I knew the, uh, this is at a company where I really know the person in human resources. So I'm looking around thinking, who is the champion? Because I know what to look for in a champion. So I might go back to them and say, hey, I saw so-and-so with the checkout counter. He really can seem like a champion. But I have not done what you've done. But what we do in the TAP training, something we do is, we've done it at Rayleigh's, at one of our local stores. We offered the training to not just the direct supervisor, we offered it to somebody that was in the floral department, somebody in the bakery, um, a few store managers, you know, different people that would be around this individual. It's called building, we call it building a, a culture around autism so that everybody in the workplace is aware of some the, the individuals with neurodiversity. That's beneficial because you might have somebody, you know, me and Eric are coming in after the fact. You already might have people there. I, I was doing a training for Ray, helping Rayleigh's with the training once over at their headquarters and some of these store employees and they were like, we have people with neurodiversity in our, in our, in our store. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, oh my, I didn't even, and some of the things you're saying are like spot up. Yeah. So you might already have somebody in your workplace that has neurodiversity, but building a culture around neurodiversity is important. Yeah, well to me, uh, like the latest stats say, like I think it's like one in 36, at least in California, mm -hmm. will likely to be autistic. Um, what if a company were to say, hey, you know, we for every thirty every thirty seventh employee, we're going to hire somebody with neurodiversity. Mm -hmm. Now, not every company is that big, right? So, you know, taking it's taking on a little bit more of a burden if you're less than thirty six. But let's say if for if you're a larger company, you say for every one thirty six people, we're going to hire one uh, one adult on the autism spectrum, but. To me, like if I say as a company, we're gonna do this, that it's a company bought in thing. And the whole company says, hey, this is like, we are actively gonna be part, we're, as a whole company, we're gonna actively participate in the process of providing employment to 
an individual with neurodiversity or multiple mm. individuals with neurodiversity. And then it's, it's just kind of part of the culture that uh, this is what we do. Uh, I agree. The worst thing, the worst thing that you could do, it's not the worst thing, but uh, one thing that sometimes employees don't like is being told what to do. But if you have somebody at the top, like we have the head of human resources at Radius, and she was all, and they already do a similar thing, and it was all buy-in. So when we're at the store and just offering the training, she's there, and oh, you know, we're doing this. Oh, these suggestions are great, but we could never do this at our store. And then she might, she would jump in and say, "You're supposed to be doing this already." Yeah, <laughs> you know. So like, yeah. having the person at the top, like this is how we do it. Like I've heard Aaron, and man, this is just an example of leadership. Like I've heard Aaron at Marston meetings and stuff. Like this is what we do. This is a policy. This is how we do it. Like we do it from this one. And, and, and at that point, there's no argument. You just have to do it. Come in and like force you to do it. The best thing is when I can actually. When we're offering a training and I can actually get the floral department or this, you know, 20 year old in the bakery to actually understand because then when the person with no diversity comes through, it's just that much easier. Yeah. It's so much easier on everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to me, like what would be cool coming back to the idea of starting out with a growth plan from the beginning, not just a, hey, this is, this is my strengths and weaknesses. This is the environment that I need to, to, to just be successful. But how can I take that starting point of this is the environment that I need to be successful to where I can be successful throughout the store without maybe some of those environmental supports that I initially needed? Like, mm-hmm. what is the stepping stone? And then train all of the other employees and, hey, this individual is like part, part of their process is growing into this. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a communal effort to support the individual to continue to grow in the process. To me, that that seems like a real effective way to build long-term sustainability for this person's uh, employment. Yeah, I think that's similar. That's, yeah. They're doing something, something similar at um, Goodwill of Silicon Valley where they have an expandability program. Well, they're all based in San Jose, but where they actually hire people, they do the hiring. I mean, they find a person, people, but the whole, it's a pilot program, so it's store by store. And each store that does it is, and we've now done it with two stores. Well, we did it with one store, I trained the other one, and then we're gonna hopefully eventually go to the store. That's the next step. And we witnessed, we walk around the store, we talk to the manager, but when we did it with the one store, they were like, we're all in and we're all trained. And, and, and they were all like, they had all created a plan together. But yeah. if the whole team is bought in, it is simpler. Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking. Well, we're, we're coming up on time. Yeah. What, what would you say are like a couple really big things for an employee to be thinking about around once they get the job, they're onboarded in the job, but the longevity of the job and keeping that job and built and, and building that job into something that I feel like I can do for an extended period of time. What are a couple like final big takeaways for that? Uh, taking it slow, one step at a time can help. Not worrying about the small stuff, just putting one foot um, in front of the other and communicating, communicating your anxieties, what you're worried about, definitely communicating properly if you're gonna be taking any time off for any reason. Uh, 
being on time, just working on yourself a little bit. Uh, if you can get that anxiety under control, <laughs> uh, taking deep breaths, maybe you have to go on a walk. Um, not overdoing it, that's one thing that you can definitely do. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, even, you know, a final thought, like some of our interns, it takes them three or four weeks to get to the like operating strength of what it takes to work for that period of time. And so to me, like, again, even if we're thinking like from an employer standpoint now as a takeaway, uh, if you can think about, hey, like a slow growth into the job, like, hey, I started at 20 hours and over three months or over six months, I've built to 30 hours or 40 hours of work. It allows somebody to do some, to do the initial job and then build their stamina up to something that they might not be able to jump in and just have the stamina that your average person might be able to just work an eight hour day straight five days in a row, for example. But you, and rather than say, hey, this person can only work 20 hours uh, a week ever, we say, hey, no, we want to get you to 30 hours, we want to get you to 40 hours, we're going to start you at 15 to 20, we're going to help you build your endurance to that, to where that feels really good, and then we'll add two or three hours over the course of time so that you build up. Uh, that, to me, if an employer can pull that off, seems like a really nice way to ease somebody into the full workload capacity. It has to be individualized. Just and it has to to finish up that it has to be individualized. I agree with Aaron. You will find the employee that can work eight hours. When you find the employee that can work eight hours right away, don't turn them down. But yes, when I train, we, we tell the employer allow for part time. It's huge. Awesome. Well, thank you. This was a Harry and I kind of riffing on what does it take to sustain employment. What are some kind of takeaways from an employee standpoint and an employer standpoint? Absolutely. Uh, and we'll be back uh, next week or next time with some new content. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Thank you all for listening. Maristan Podcast out. out.